What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. everyone welcome into another episode of kentucky daily a daily podcast covering your university of kentucky wildcats i'm your host sean smith joined by Derek terry of the cat's paws Derek, did you have a good weekend yeah sean i'm feeling uh feeling refreshed a little bit there was uh, some college football on the tube saturday wasn't as strange as i thought it would be uh with the limited fans but sean today's episode though is all about the happenings in the UK basketball recruiting world. And uh sounds like the tides turned a little bit on some of these. Maybe not for the better for UK. No, this is uh this is gonna be a very good episode though that if you're into Kentucky basketball recruiting and you have thousands of questions about why in the world Corey Evans changed his future cast picks for Scott Clark and Jaden Hardy. So Scott Clark was picked to go to Kentucky from Corey. Now it's North Carolina and then Hardy to UCLA. So a lot happened, and that happened Saturday. And as soon as it happened, I, I reached out to Corey, put up a little quick story, just a couple of quotes. wasn't a whole lot of in-depth info, though, Derek, but that's exactly what Corey's coming on today to give us. So exactly two weeks to the day that he made his first appearance on Kentucky Daily, we have him again. And uh, what better of a guy to have come on to talk about why exactly these scenarios are playing out, Derek. So I'm pretty excited to have him on this episode today. I am as well. It's hard to believe it's just been two weeks. <laughs> uh, we've done a lot of recording since then, a lot of episodes. And, uh, but we are, we're very fortunate to have Corey so readily available to come back on and discuss things with us. He's, he's always full of knowledge. Um, like we were telling him, for, for you people who listen to this, it was one of our most downloaded episodes. And I think uh, there's a chance that this one will be as well once we get him on here and hear his thoughts on how things are going. Yeah. Uh, Corey's going to come on and give us an update on exactly what is going on with Scott Clark's situation. Uh, he's going to give us an update on Jaden Hardy. We're going to talk some Damian Collins. We're going to talk Bryce Hopkins and then Hunter Salas. So there's going to be a lot of topics in this episode uh, that we'll get to on the Kentucky basketball recruiting front. Uh, going to preview tomorrow's episode as well, Derek. We're going to be joined by Kentucky men's basketball assistant coach Joel Justice. So he's going to come on and talk. I know Joel is the uh, one of the top primary recruiters for Scott Clark. At Kentucky, so which we can't talk about recruiting to Joel, but we're going to talk about some things inside the program. So the next couple of days, you're going to get a lot of basketball on the show as we keep moving forward to football season. But we're going to dive into the football aspect of some things too this week. Uh, but let's not waste any more time, Derek. We want to give the people what they're here to listen for. So here is an interview with Corey Evans of Rivals. Welcome back, everyone, to Kentucky Daily, as now we're joined by Corey Evans of Rivals. Corey, it's not been too long since you were on this show, so we appreciate you hopping back on to talk some U.K. basketball recruiting. 
Yeah, most definitely. Hopefully that's a good thing for Kentucky basketball. But uh, thanks for having me back on. I appreciate it. So over the weekend, you updated some of your future cast picks for Sky Clark and Jaden Hardy. So we'll start with Sky Clark. And you changed that pick to North Carolina. So what are some things? I know Big Blue Nation's probably been in your Twitter mentions yep. and DMs over the last few days, Corey, of what exactly is happening with Sky. I actually watched Sky in a workout three weeks ago, and he walked in with a UK shirt, which isn't something, <laughs> which is something he's done quite a few times over the course of the last few months. Yeah, you know, um, as of today, I still think Kentucky is the team to beat. Um, but no one has maybe recruited Sky Clark harder, um, been more persistent, and, you know, has discussed an opening in the backcourt with, you know, Caleb Love leaving after a one-and-done season. That could be Sky Clark's spot. Um, and that's nothing to slight Kentucky's chances and the way Joel Justice has recruited Sky and John Calipari. Um, but it, it's – this is not a done deal for Kentucky, and many assumed it was um, as soon as a week ago, but that's not the case. So, so Corey, like Sean said, thank you for joining us. Um, why, why do you think it was perceived that Sky was such a lock for UK if it sounds like maybe that wasn't the case? There were some rumblings a while back that he was very, very close to committing. Um um, maybe it was a silent commit, maybe not. Um, but there was talk about him being willing to say yes to John Calipari and Kentucky, um, very, very soon. And that was a month or so ago. Um, a month has now passed and I know Sky has cut his list to eight and then to 10, um, has talked about potentially committing here sometime later this month. Um, but as you guys know, and you've seen this, whenever it's a clear-cut favorite and that commitment is not made immediately, it's much easier to recruit against one particular school compared to 10 or 12 others. Now, you mentioned Caleb Love being a one-and-done. So are you under the impression that Sky will move to 21? I'd be surprised if he does not. Um, you know, that – he openly has discussed not going to 21, but you guys just said you saw him play three weeks ago. I mean, that that kid does not need high school basketball for two more years. Like, <laughs> he is he is pound for pound um, in the conversation for the best point guard in all of high school basketball. And he's his maturity and talent and size and physicality, he could play in a Division One basketball game tomorrow. Um so I just think when push comes to shove, um, there's so many what-ifs right now with, with the pandemic and what's going to happen with the college season and the high school season and who stays and who leaves because of that and, of course, the NBA. Um, but I, this kind of reminds me a little bit of the Devin Askew situation a year ago when, you know, Devin was pretty adamant about saying in 21 – um, but for most of us in the know, um, you know, it was always 20. Um, and I think that's what we're seeing right now with Sky. Maybe not as much, but I would be surprised. I would say it's 90, 10, 
21 compared to 22. And that's not inside knowledge. That's just being being around the block a few times and seeing someone that good, um, especially at that position. Now, Corey, I'll ask you this, too. I had a lengthy conversation with his dad, Kenny, after I watched that workout, and we talked about the, the point guard, combo guard sort of aspect around his game and how other people view him. And, you know, his dad is adamant that he belongs at the point guard position. So when you look at what Kentucky has, you mentioned Devin Askew, who's a guy that could very well play a sophomore season at Kentucky. And then now they have Nolan Hickman in this class, and now they're moving in with Hunter Salas. Does that sort of, you think, impact where Kentucky might possibly stand with Sky? And if he does make a move to 21, is it maybe Kentucky has a better shot now in 22 than they do with a reclass? Most definitely. Um, and that's that's what I was kind of getting to with those predictions. Um, you know, Hunter Salas has not moved as quickly as I thought he would for the Kentucky offer. Um, and I'm sure Kentucky fans probably feel the same way, of course. But um, but Hunter and his family has always they, – they've been adamant about, you know, seeing the process through. But I just think in the end run, um, I think – what we'll see is Carolina get one or the other and Kentucky get one or the other, whether it's Salas, you know, not Salas Clark or vice versa. Um, I think in the, in the best of worlds, if you're Kentucky, you get Hunter Salas. Now you get Sky Clark as a 22, because of course you get both and you have potentially the replacement for Salas for Nolan Hickman for Devin Askew in a year or so. Um, and you have Sky Clark right there, right? Um, I just don't see it playing out as such. Um, and that's, that's my dilemma. Um, but I know for a fact we will see a Sky Clark commitment before a final decision on reclassification. So those are a lot of guards we just discussed. And someone we haven't talked about yet on this podcast is Jaden Hardy, who, Obviously the top guard, shooting guard in the country for the 21 class, but someone who was long perceived like some of those other guys to maybe be a Kentucky favorite. And it seems like that has shifted, Corey, uh, with some other options like UCLA and the G League. Just where do you kind of think uh, things stand there for, for Hardy? Yeah, I think it's a matter of Kentucky being proactive, right, and seeing the writing on the wall and the talks been Kentucky for – over a year now. I mean, we were on commitment watch for Jaden Hardy a year ago. Um, and here we sit entering mid-September and Jaden Hardy is, you know, still stuck on 10 or 12 schools and is probably going to be one of the last to actually commit to a college, not till the spring. And even if he does, we could see a Deshaun Nix, an Isaiah Todd situation where he leaves that program at the altar. And I just, you know, John Calipari in Kentucky, of course, they've relied heavily on that scoring guard, that high-level scoring guard. And I just don't think Cal wants to be left in that spot next year. I think he wants a high-level high school talent. And if I could tell him now, hey, take Hickman, Devin Askew, and Hunter Salas, I think he'd be okay with that. Um, And I'll even say this. I'm one of the bigger advocates for Hunter Salas. I think as a complete package, Hunter Salas might be the best long-term guy just because of where he's come from 
And also, the I think Jaden Hardy, not that he's not a playmaker, but Hunter Salas, he's a, he was a point guard a year ago or a year and a half ago. I know he's more of a 2-1 now, but he's someone that probably fits in in Kentucky's backcourt next to a Hickman, next to an Askew, where both have – all three have the size and the length to play the 1-2-3. and three. Um, It's a bigger lineup than what UK had last year with Max and Quickly and Higgins. Um, and all three are capable playmakers, facilitators, defenders, and shot makers. Uh, real quick, uh, Corey, just with Hunter Salas, since, since he's kind of a newer name onto the scene, is there a player comparison you would have him to, to someone either in, in college or the NBA? I mean, they, the, 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 the most typical one we hear is Shea Gilgis, um, which is yeah, probably good just... news to uh, UK ears. Um, you know, he he's he's much much quicker, much more athletic than Shea. Um, you know, Shea's, as you guys have known and seen, his development, his rapid development is out of this world. I mean, if, if we would have said Shea Gill just would have been one of the top five most promising guards in all of the NBA three years ago, um, you know, even as UK diehard fans, you guys would have thought I was crazy. Um, but that's where Shea is right now, right? And for as quickly as he has improved – Shay's actor, Hunter, has actually gotten even better quicker um, compared to, you know, two years ago, he's six-foot guard that, you know, the mid-major schools, Omaha and, um, you know, the, the regional mid-majors are on him to now being honestly the most heavily prioritized recruited guard in America um, just shows you the development path and progression rate of Hunter Salas. Corey, too, before we wrap up, we uh, just want to get a little bit of an update on two possible guys Kentucky's following right now. One is Damian Collins. Now that the news of Jay Lucas to Kentucky is official, where do you see Kentucky involved in that recruitment? I, I still, um, you know, the, the, there, I, I've heard a few things through the grapevine about potential roles being in place that might not even allow Kentucky to recruit him. Um with Jay not taking one of the three coaching roles. Um, I'm not sure how compliance would look at that, but that's definitely something that I would keep on um, my radar as far as, you know, Damian Collins being Kentucky bound. Now, if that's not the case, they're, they're, they're going to have a chance because Jay has recruited him so well. Um, I mean, I would say Jay and, Carlin Hardman at Oklahoma are the two um, coaches with the best relationships with Damian Collins and his family. That's why I think Oklahoma is still the leader. Um, Texas has a chance with the, the hiring of KG Turner and Shaka Smart's done a great job, and UT was his dream school growing up. But if that rule is not an issue, um, you know, I think Kentucky could have a very, very good chance there. Yeah, last question I have for you, uh, Corey, is on Bryce Hopkins, who picked up his offer from Kentucky a few weeks ago, and it seemed like that was one that most people thought would be wrapped up fairly quickly. Uh, he's still not really made an announcement yet. Any reason to worry there if you're a U.K. fan? Is, to, is he stalling, or you just think it's a matter of time still before he announces that commitment to Kentucky? 
I don't think he's even stalling. I think he's trying to make sure it's the right place, right, um, and the right fit and the right need because, in all honesty, that's not really a spot that's a heavily needed position at Kentucky, um, assuming all the powers that be come back, you know, with the Dante Allen and uh, Isaiah Jackson and, you know, even a Keon Brooks is Keon Brooks at two and done. Um, but I, I still do – you know, believe Kentucky is the team to beat. Um, I would say Texas. I would say Indiana. I would say Illinois, or Michigan, and Oregon um, are all um, strong suitors for Bryce Hopkins. But I would say Kentucky still is the program to beat. Corey, good stuff. Uh, we always appreciate your insight and everything into the Kentucky basketball recruiting aspect of things, and thanks for joining us again. Most definitely. Thanks for having me on, guys. Eric, that was uh, that was a lot of information, and probably 90% of it makes you wonder what's going to happen here at Kentucky with this class. Now, I will say this. We've been in situations in the past where we've always said, what in the world is this coaching staff going to do? They always have an answer. None of those situations are, like, completely finished where they can't get these guys, but the, the tides have changed a lot since we talked to Corey two weeks ago. Yeah, if you would have asked me two weeks ago how things were looking on the U.K. basketball recruiting front, I would have thought Bryce Hawkins is already on board. Uh, I would have thought it was just a matter of time before Sky Clark was committed for 22 probably would have been what I said. And now I think we left that interview not sure if uh, <laughs> if U.K. is in a great spot for anyone except for the one situation that, I thought was really good and hadn't really heard much about yet, but makes a lot of sense when Corey explained it, is the backcourt situation at UK. Because it seems like Corey is definitely under the impression that Sky will be reclassifying. Even though his his camp has continued to say that he won't be, he, he made the comparison to Devin Askew, who was exactly the same. I think you had his coach giving interviews out there that, or somebody was, that he wasn't, he was not reclassifying. And then I think like the same week he announced that he was. So if Scott does decide to go to 21, there are, there are definitely some questions to be asked if you're Scott Clark and that family, you know. As of today, and you never know at Kentucky, but as of today, if you're making your decision or in the coming weeks, I don't think Nolan Hickman really projects as a one-and-done right now. Um, Askew, I think, very likely comes back for a sophomore year. Uh, and there could be some other guards in the mix. So if it does come down to a situation where you're only getting to take one or the other between uh, Clark and Hunter Salas. I still don't think that's a bad spot to be in if you could have those other guys. Um, but, you know, maybe they're maybe they're just not in as good of a spot as it seemed. I mean, especially with Clark. I think I made the comment on this podcast that he was like the biggest lock since MKG. <laughs> so you clearly did. that might not be the case uh, as to what I said then. But, well, man, that would be a really interesting thing, though, Sean, because it's, it's just – you know, that was a kid that you hadn't really given any thought about not coming to UK, and now it sounds like it's a real possibility that he might be going to North Carolina. Well, you mentioned the MKG lock, and Corey mentioned the silent commitment aspect of things, and I had heard the same thing, that, you know, a verbal possibly been given to John Calperi and the staff, but I don't know now, Derek. Once North Carolina came into the picture, and then he adds some schools. He added DePaul, and then Kansas, I think, was the other school that he added to his list and got it to 10. And now the North Carolina news. And then he mentioned, you know, he he didn't even – Corey didn't really mention 
the reclass. But when he said Caleb Love being a one and done, and I'm like, okay, Caleb Love's a freshman at North Carolina this year. You know, Corey's pretty much hinting at that he thinks that this kid's probably going to 21. And I think that's what everybody thinks is going to happen, Derek. I don't think anyone's ever thought that he'll stay in 22. When you watch him play, he belongs in 21. He could probably play this season in college basketball, in my opinion. I I was impressed with him the day that I watched him, the team that he was with running with that day. They got better as soon as he got on the floor. And it wasn't high school kids he was playing against. It was grown men. It was professional basketball players. It was uh, high-level collegiate players that had just graduated this past season. So, Derek, when you watch that kid, you know 21 makes the most sense for him, but it might not make the most sense for Kentucky, depending on how things shake out. It, it could be a thing of Dallas Clark, who commits first. Yeah, and I don't know what the preference would be there for Kentucky. Um, it sounds like, though, if if Clark is uh, very set on being a point guard, it might make more sense for UK to target Hunter Salas, someone who can do a little bit of the point if you need him to, but also, you know, more of a two as well. You know, you can tell Corey is very high on Hunter Salas. Uh, I think he even said that he's probably a little bit higher on him than some other people. But Didn't he just get a bump in the rankings on your all's network too? Didn't he go to like number yeah. six? Number six, I believe. Yeah, he's right up there near the top. There's not much separation in the rankings between uh, Salas and uh, Jaden Hardy at this point. But Hardy is an interesting case because, Sean, it seems like now he's not, not even really in the picture when we're discussing these things just because it's not to say he won't still maybe come to UK. It's just there's going to be some more movement coming in the near future on potentially Clark and Salas, whereas with Hardy, one, he might not even go to college, but two, if he does decide, it probably won't be until like late April probably. I mean, just you just can't say, you can't be say, uh, banking on that kid coming to your school. I mean, Cal's got to make some moves before that. And that's what Corey said, that if you have an option to have Salas now with Hickman and um, Devin Askew next year, then you probably go ahead and do that. But even some of the other guys, though, Sean, I mean, Bryce Hopkins, didn't seem like there was going to be any kind of suspense to that recruitment whenever he got the offer. And now I think the other day he sent out a top list. So Corey rattled off a bunch of schools that are still in play for him. Um, and, he again, what he addressed was, does UK really need him? Because they already have other guys. So this whole class is just kind of kind of interesting to see how this is going to turn out. And then you get the news that, you know, they might not even be allowed to recruit Damian Collins because of a uh, – <laughs> It's double A rule. So that was an update that uh, was certainly different than the conversation that we had just two weeks ago. Well, the news with North Carolina and the offer to Scott Clark, he actually, you know, made public that the North Carolina offer came before the Kentucky offer. Uh, he tweeted out on June 30th the uh, offer from North Carolina, then tweeted out July 2nd the offer from Kentucky. So something. Something has happened, obviously, in the last couple of weeks. I don't know if it was the string of offers that Kentucky put out to Salas and, you know, landing Hickman. And then when you start looking at things with 21 and 22, Derek, there's still a lot that has to play out, of course, over the next few months. But, you know, Corey did add that he expects uh, Clark to commit before he announces his reclassification or wherever he's going to stay. So let's just say that Scott Clark stays on task with and on point with committing in September, which has probably been the thing that's been expected for the longest time now. Let's say he does go to Kentucky or North Carolina or one of the two. We still don't know. We won't know a decision that day. It'll be something that plays out probably mid-semester or even 
into the spring before a possible reclassification. But now, when did Devin ask you? Devin Askew was before signing day, wasn't it, that he announced that he was going to reclass? Yes. I think he was okay. announced with that initial signing class. Well, well, that's what I think, that that'll be the situation that plays out. You'll get an initial commitment, and then you'll get that decision. But if he, wherever he commits, Kentucky, North Carolina, that's where the kid's going. I don't see a flip. I agree. Um, just from that conversation, if I'm reading it the right way, I feel like if he does commit to North Carolina – that probably tells you he's for sure reclassifying to 21 because they'll have an open spot for him. Uh, whereas with Kentucky, I mean, he, maybe he'll still come in and try to compete, but maybe – I mean, it's not like the preference for UK would be to be in a spot where you could still have him for 22, but I don't know if it makes the most sense for the kid. And that seems to me that's what the realization is becoming here recently is that uh, he might have wanted to go to UK. It might have been his dream school, and it might have been the school that's always been perceived to be the favorite for him, but – when there are other options on the table, um, maybe it's not going to be the best fit. I don't know. I don't know that. And it it makes you wonder too. Those conversations of they got they they offered Salas on a Friday night, and then they got Hickman literally the next day. So they knew that they already had Hickman in the fold, and then they followed it with an offer with Salas. If this staff was confident, or if they did have a silent commitment from Sky Clark. And then the reclassification, it makes you wonder, they probably wouldn't have even offered Salas if they knew that that you know, scenario was playing out, especially with still being in on Hardy. So I, I don't know, Derek. It seems like they're going to get two. I think three, you might as well. I don't feel confident that they're going to get three of them, even if it plays out that they get Clark you know, and Hickman. It doesn't seem like Salas or Hardy will be the third guy there, or if it's Salas – and Hickman, it doesn't seem like it's going to be Clark or Hardy joining that. It just doesn't add up, honestly, especially with the possibility of Devin Askew coming back. You're right. And one thing I would make note of is um, probably for next season, the transfer rule is going to be passed. Wouldn't you expect it to be? Yeah. I mean, just even if UK is not – I'm not going to say you shouldn't be concerned because, I mean, lending elite high school talent has really never been an issue. And it's not to say that it's – I mean, none of these decisions have come down yet, like you said. I mean, they could still finish this class very strongly. I'm just saying there are so many options now between the grad transfer route and soon to be the transfer wire that Kentucky's going to still attract very, very good basketball players. And I would not panic as to what the 21-22 roster is going to look like because if you can add veteran college players who have produced at that level in Cal system, I still think you've got a chance of really, really good teams. So – even if it doesn't, even if it doesn't seem yet like we know what that roster is going to look like, I mean they only have one commitment, Nolan Hickman. That's it. So I would still not really panic, especially on a roster that probably is going to have quite a few of the guys back from the 2020 class. The only two that I would even project at this point to leave out of underclassmen is Boston and Clark, and then of course you'll lose Mintz and Sar. You also have Jacob Toppin, who will be eligible next season. It's a guy that I think a lot of people forget. Uh, who was viewed, I mean, as sort of a project guy to get in there, get him in the system, get him in those workouts. And Derek, he has a, he's a guy that when you talk to people, he has a ton of potential. Well, that's the reason Kentucky got him. So you could just, you're essentially adding him to this class, getting him on the court. Corey mentioned Keon Brooks. We don't know if he's a two-and-done. It could be a three-year guy. I don't know. I mean, I think if, if Kentucky gets two-and-done Keon Brooks, they're probably getting to a Final Four if he ends up being that good. Uh, so there's a lot to play out. You know, the Damian Collins situation, if Kentucky isn't able to get that big, 
you have to wonder where they go. Is it, an, is it a reclass? I think they're probably more than likely going to lean the grad transfer, the transfer market, again, sort of like a, an Olivier Saar. And it might be a situation where they get a grad transfer that you don't have to worry about NCAA waiver. So there's a lot of things that have to go into this. And Corey, I'm, I'm assuming Corey will join the show again at some point down the line. Hopefully it's a little bit closer to signing day and some things like that, Derek. But uh, we had to get the info and the intel into why he flipped those picks because he flipped both of them on the same day. Yeah, and we appreciate Corey coming on. Uh, like we said, uh, that was a, a great interview. And anyone who is really curious as to what in the world is going on at UK uh, when it comes to basketball recruiting, I feel like all the questions were pretty much answered right there. So thank you again to Corey for coming on. Yeah, big thanks to Corey Evans of Rivals for making his second appearance on Kentucky Daily. He's the first guest to make two appearances on Kentucky Daily. So a big-time honor for Corey Evans. Uh, But we're going to go ahead and wrap this thing up. We hope you all have a wonderful Labor Day holiday and enjoy this episode, and we'll see you Tuesday. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.